listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with me, Jade Elliott, where we talk all things pregnancy, children, and parenting. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health. You're listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with myself, Jade Elliott, joined today by Dr. Spencer Barney with Intermountain Healthcare. You are an OBGYN with Intermountain, and you are actually the second part to an incredible story uh, that we told on a previous episode of our Baby to Baby podcast about the journey of surrogacy. Uh, We talked to two women uh, who went through this journey together, one being the surrogate, one being the mom, and now we get to talk to the doctor behind all of it. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. This is a great opportunity. Listening to the two of them talk about their story and their journey through surrogacy was incredible. And, you know, hearing from Brianna and from Jenny, it it brought me to tears listening to everything that both of them went through uh, to come to, you know, where we are today with Baby Hope. And so I want to talk to you and get a little bit more deeper into kind of the medical side of surrogacy and and what you talk to patients about who might come to you uh, with that option or with that idea of it being an option. Um, So give us a little bit of a background in regards to if someone may not be familiar with um, surrogacy or what a surrogate mom is. Talk to us a little bit about that, kind of fill our, our listeners in. So a lot of people come biologically or medically unable to have children looking for ways that they can. And in many of those circumstances, the two options come down to either surrogacy or adoption. And so when people are looking at surrogacy, what that is, if they're not aware, is just one person or woman carrying a child for another party who for some reason is unable to have their own pregnancy or carry their own child. And that's kind of in a nutshell. It usually involves in vitro fertilization with the intended parents eggs and or sperm um, or if necessary donor eggs and sperm. We start the conversation there just kind of what a baseline is of surrogacy and, and, um, and answer any questions they have about that. A lot of people come because they have some sort of medical problems, they can't carry their own pregnancy. They come because their biology is unable to, but are really desirous to have a family and are looking for ways to get that started. You know, when we talked to Brianna and Jenny, uh, they were acquaintances and uh, the information was kind of put out, you know, onto social media in regards to this is kind of what we're going through. This is kind of what we're looking for. Is there anyone out there? And, you know, that's definitely one way to do it and a pretty popular way of doing things these days because you never know who might be out there wanting and willing and able to, you know, offer, offer themselves to help you along the journey of surrogacy. What other ways are there when it comes to finding a surrogate mom? How, how do you even start that process? So a lot of people have start, started with their own family. They see if they have a sibling that is willing to carry, and I think Jenny tried that at first. And so a lot of people start there. Like you said, they go to Instagram, they go to Facebook and try and, and search out people who are willing. 
there are a lot of both for-profit and non-profit profit surrogacy agencies that help to connect surrogates with intended parents. Um, I've had several patients that have come to me wanting like a physical exam to show they're healthy enough because they have this desire to be a surrogate without really having any plan as to who they're going to do that for. And so they start with an agency and then get, get matched with somebody else. Um, and then I think a lot of infertility clinics, when people are there for infertility anyway, they have resources that help matching with surrogates either independently or through those agencies as well. And I mean, there can be a pretty costly side to this as well, depending on the route you take, right? Yeah, and depending on whether or not the patient has insurance, whether or not the insurance will cover the pregnancy, um, some insurances do and some insurances won't. And so you're covering a lot of both the, the cost of, of time and expense of, of the surrogate, but also just their medical expenses, which can get very costly. Mm -hmm. I mean, being a mom myself, there's no price you could ever put on your baby or on your child. But I think for our listeners to just understand a little bit about kind of how that works, and it depends probably too on if you go through an agency or if you go with a friend or a family member, there's probably different scales of, of what the cost might look like. Yeah, and I don't know exactly what those scales are, to be honest. I do know that yes, with family and friends, they usually are doing it more for a service. And some people that do go through agencies do it more for the financial gain they might get. And it's not a huge financial gain, I don't think, for a lot of people because a lot of the expense is the medical care, mm -hmm. delivery, and tests that have to be done, and ultrasounds that need to be completed. And all of that's paid for by the intended parents um, as they're going through that process. Right. And then for, for some of them might be listening thinking, wow, I, I kind of feel like I have this calling to be a surrogate or this need to serve for that. Are there specific qualifications or, um, you know, a list of, a checklist that they need to cross off to be able to even qualify to be a surrogate? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guidelines that people think they recommend. A lot of guidelines they recommend. And one, I mean, to be at least 21 years old, one is to have a child yourself and to make sure you're healthy enough that the next pregnancy won't compromise your health or that of the, the infant. Um, they usually want some sort of psychological evaluation to make sure that psychologically you're okay carrying a, a baby and going through a pregnancy. And then there's often a legal contract that's signed um, between the, the surrogate and the, the intended parents. And in Utah law, a lot of those things are actually, if you want to have a a contract that guarantees that those intended parents will become the parents afterwards require all those things. And what about um, the health screening? What does that look like? Um, I, I think there's a couple different levels of it. For us, when I see patients, it's usually a general health screening to make sure they don't have any chronic conditions that are going to cause problems in pregnancy. So we sit down and talk, go over their medical history. Um, we do a thorough physical exam. Usually you're going to want to make sure you know heart and lungs and kidneys and everything are okay. You want to definitely make sure that uterus and ovaries um, are healthy. You'll do usually a pap smear. Usually they're screening for infectious diseases that might be an issue during pregnancy um, and, and other blood work just to make sure that you're able to carry a pregnancy. And you talked a little bit about the contracts and the different laws. Of course, it's different state to state. And I'm guessing that it's probably even different family to family, uh, depending on you know, maybe what you've discussed with your surrogate pri prior to, uh, you know, going into this journey on kind of what that looks like after birth and kind of what involvement, you know, each party is going to have. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that people sometimes don't think about that circuits have to consider before they even start the process. And I know that on your podcast with um, Danny Brandon, they, they sat down and had a lot of those conversations, they said, over Zoom because of the pandemic. But they, they need to sit, and it's, I think it's helpful to have legal counsel for both parties that is kind of expert in fertility law or, or surrogacy so that they are aware of what's needed. And then they talk about things like, you know, what, what are we going to do if the embryo that gets implanted splits and there's twins, or what if there's triplets? Are we going to um, accept all of those infants? Are there going to be desires to have some sort of reduction procedure? What happens if there's problems during labor and C-section required? Are you willing to have a C-section versus a vaginal delivery? You know, what happens if there's a late miscarriage? Are we going to have a DNC or a, you know, a, a, a vaginal delivery so that they can see the infants? And so there's a lot of little things that can happen during pregnancy that it's nice to be able to sit down and talk about beforehand and have as many answers as you can, mm-hmm. go through as many scenarios as you can think of. And I think having, again, legal counsel is a, that is familiar with this is helpful and having a physician that can know what the risk of pregnancy is helpful and you kind of talk about those things and upfront understand what each party is expecting out of the, the process. Yeah, and I think that's really important, the expectations of both sides going into this and um, you know Brianna and Jenny talked a lot about that which I thought was so neat you know they were both so open to each other and so understanding about each other's wants and needs and desires going through this journey of surrogacy together and I think that's so important um, because from both sides you know you don't know what you don't know and you know one side wants a baby so bad they're willing to do almost anything and the other side wants to help so bad, they're willing to do almost anything. And I just thought that their story was really, really honest and really open. And I think that that is crucial. And their story was very unique as well. I mean, it was neat to see how, I think, close they became during mm-hmm. the whole process and how they were able to help each other and uh, support each other. I know that. Brianna was always an advocate for Jenny when they come to clinics. You know, let's make sure we do another ultrasound. Let's let Jenny see the baby. Let's, you know, make sure we're doing going the extra mile so that she can be part of this. And you don't always get that because the circuit and the intended parents aren't always necessarily that close. Right. With siblings, you see it. With with uh, Jenny and Brandy, you see it. With other ones, I've had sometimes they're miles away, and we see them with you know at Zoom, and we try and do as much as we can to keep them involved, but it's not nearly as as neat a relationship as, as they had during their process. Yeah, and it was really neat and really intimate and, and really special. And you, and you hear all that you know through their story, and I think that's neat. Um, now for you, doctor, over the course of your career, if you even know the number, how many babies just in general have you delivered? I stopped keeping track a long time ago. <laughs> I know I've, I've been out of residency for 12 years. I In residency, I delivered about 500. Um, since then, it's been I mean, well over a thousand after that. I, to be honest, I have no idea exactly what the numbers are. Safe to say, quite a few. Quite, quite a few, <laughs> yeah. And then when it comes to surrogacy, how many surrogate births have you been a part of? And that's been a lot fewer. I would say uh, somewhere between half, you know, half a dozen to a little more than that. Not a whole lot, but, mm-hmm. but a handful. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sure that Jenny and Brianna's story sticks out to you, of course. But, you know, what other stories have you seen in regards to 
you know, the different cases and, um, you know, kind of give our listeners an idea of what some of that might look like. They hear one, one story that we're sharing with them, but there's so many others. Yeah, probably two others that come to mind uh, right off. There's one is a sibling, the same thing, that, that um, carried for her sister. And so that was a really neat experience. So it was similar to Jenny Brandish, where they were very close and they were able to help one another. And, and it was a really bonding experience to, to share that in the sibling relationship. I've had several that were across state boundaries, and one that was, I think two I've actually had that were across country boundaries. And and that is more to, to legal issues, and I leave that to the lawyers to, to, kind of, to do the legal portion <laughs> of it. But we had a, a couple from Paris who, I guess they were, I was told, surrogacy is illegal in France. And so they sought uh, a surrogate here, and one, that was one of my patients who had gone to one of these agencies and wanted to be a surrogate and they matched them up. And so this couple in France wanted to have twins. And so they planned that, implanted two embryos. We did a lot with timing of appointments and Zoom to try and get them as involved as possible because of the time differences. We would have early morning, late afternoon appointments, get them involved. Their plan was with twins, it's always a little bit tricky to know when the delivery is actually gonna happen because there's a lot higher risk of, of prematurity. So they had a plan to fly out when they were around 36 or 37 weeks. I don't remember what it was exactly. Figuring that, you know, okay, we're gonna be close. And about three days before they're gonna fly out, the patient went into labor. And so we had a Zoom camera up in the operating room so that they could see what happened and they could watch these babies being born. And they got flights as soon as they could and got here the next day. <laughs> um, but that was a little bit of a unique experience as well, doing something that was that distant, but still be able to keep it a little bit more personal by having them involved and on a visit by visit basis. And I think that the patient as well, you know, talk them outside of, of the clinic visits that I had um, so that they could be involved in the whole pregnancy also. Yeah, that's incredible being in different countries and having that happen. And the thing about surrogacy too is it's also an incredible option for same sex couples. Yeah, and this, this couple actually for France was a same sex couple. And so, yeah, these, these two gentlemen, um, each uh, donated a sperm and, and had a, uh, um, these two twins that were both biologic related, but they couldn't carry themselves. Yeah, yeah, that is just incredible. And with all of this, you know, regardless of the, the setup, the emotions tied to the journey of surrogacy are strong on both sides, from the family, you know, wanting the baby to the, the surrogate family you know kind of what what do you see with that sometimes because i mean like we've we've talked about you know we're we're really telling you know one journey of these two incredible women uh, but there's so many different journeys and so many different emotions probably involved and probably differ you know based on that communication leading up and what it's all going to look like and you know who's going to be in the delivery room and when will mom get baby from the surrogate and all of those things you just wrap up in so much emotion yeah and there, there's a lot of things there. i think that's one of the reasons that um it's nice to have that psychological evaluation before you get started to make sure that you're ready for this and you feel emotionally prepared for it and so that's helpful uh but even with that i think there are emotions you don't necessarily plan on having that that, that happen and it's like you said it's true for both parties that the, the in, intended parents the um, the ones who are going to be taking care of this child afterwards, 
if they've been through infertility, have been trying sometimes for years. And so this has been a long time coming that they've been waiting for this to happen and have a lot of fears at the beginning of what happens if this baby miscarries. They have fear throughout the pregnancy, you know, if something bad might happen. And they're just looking forward to that that final delivery day when when they finally get the family that they, they've been hoping for. I think for the, the surrogate and the carrier that they have emotions both in families because like I said, it was recommended that you've had uh, at least one pregnancy, one child before. And depending on how old that child is, they may have a hard time understanding, you know, why is this parent going through this when they're not getting anything out of it at the end, or that they almost feel connected to a, a sibling that they're not going to see anymore. You have, uh, you know, spouses that may have the same type of difficulty connecting or not connecting with the pregnancy because of that, or or price for it. You want to make sure that the the couples, if there is a couple, are unified in, in what they're going to do. And then after delivery, you've been carrying this pregnancy for, for nine months. You've been feeling this baby kit. You've, I'm sure, built some sort of bonds. And there's often, not, but not always, a difficulty in saying, okay, now I've been carrying this baby for so long, and I just have to turn around and give it to the two, you know, <laughs> its parents. And yeah. that's what was intended, and planning on that. But it still is sometimes difficult to make that break at the end. I think it was a little bit higher rate of postpartum depression um, sometimes that we just monitor for and watch and make sure that they're cared for whatever they need to be. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about it, I thought about this, and as I would listen to, to Jenny Brand's podcast, because Jenny had, had mentioned that she was a little bit concerned that whether her, she would have the ability to connect with, with this baby once it was born. And I know a lot of people who go through either surrogacy or adoption have that fear and I, I'm sure there are times when it may be difficult, but of the experiences that I've had, it's it's amazing how quickly you can bond with an infant, whether you're biologically related or not. I come from a family of seven, and five of the siblings are adopted. And it's not, uh, you know, these are the biological, these are the adopted siblings, it's, it's just a family. And it's kind of always been that way. And I see that with surrogates too, that people that might be concerned, you know, I can't, you know, have a biologic, child for some reason, it's not a reason to, to completely give up that that it is, it does happen where people bond with those, um, those, those infants that are there, whether they're biologic or not. And so I, anyway, so I know there's a concern for some people and, and it is amazing how quickly that bonding happens. And I'm sure there are times that's difficult, but for the majority of people, it seems to go very smoothly. Oh yeah, absolutely. And well, and and with their story as well, you know, ideally they had hoped to use, you know, their biological DNA. They hoped to use uh, their own egg and their own sperm and to have someone carry their baby for them. And then that didn't work out either. And then they had to get an egg donor. And, and I know that, you know, like you mentioned, that was, something of concern and, and for both of them, for her and her husband, thinking, well, is he going to bond with the baby more because he's the one now genetically connected to, to this baby? And am I going to have a hard time with that? Is he going to feel guilty over it? Am I going to resent it? But I mean, like you said, there really is nothing that can describe the moment that you bond with your baby, regardless of, of how you were able to get it through surrogacy, through adoption, uh, through egg donorship, you know, that bond is so strong. 
And Jenny said that. She said that, I mean, we, she was there, and she sat right next to me, and we delivered that baby, and I set her right in her arms, and she said that the second that happened, you know, she knew that that was her baby, and that, that there was that instant bond, and so that was really nice, neat to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that, you know, every time you see that is so special. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that probably falls back to on what that relationship is like between intended parents and surrogate mom and, um, you know, what that's going to look like going forward uh, with baby, you know, because like you were saying, it, I can't imagine, you know, being in that position and just saying, okay, my work here is done. You hear, you know, here's your beautiful baby. And then, and then it being done. So I know like with, you know, Brianna and Jenny, they still are, of course, very close. Like you said, I mean, their friendship, I think blossomed even more throughout the course of their journey than it had prior to, uh, which is very special. But we know that's not always the case. It can be very different just, you know, based off of, you know, what, what it's going to look like for the two parties afterwards. Right. Like you said, if it's siblings, and they, they still see each other. They still get to see this baby being raised. And in Jenny and Brianna's case, it wouldn't surprise me if they were kind of, you know, long-term friends for, for life. And, and we'll get to kind of see each other and, and work through the process together. But some of these other ones that are from out of state or out of the country, you deliver this baby, you hand it over to the parents. You maybe see it the next day or not, depending on what the, the agreement is. And then they're gone. And you may not hear from them ever again and, or know what happened to this child that you carried. Mm -hmm. And that can be kind of a little bit of a jarring experience for some people. Yeah, and but that's it's it's just another it's just another good reminder, you know, for any of our listeners that may be thinking about surrogacy on, you know, either side of it as an intended parent or as a surrogate mother, about all of the different angles that are involved from, you know, of course the physical side of it to the emotional side of it. Yeah, and me, yeah, make sure you're prepared, make sure you kind of see all that, make sure you talk to somebody. I, I don't know if they have yet. I know Brianna and Jenny were talking about starting a, a, an online group to kind of talk about this because there's not a lot of information out there where, where surrogates talk to each other and you get much information before it happens. And I think that'd be a great idea to have something like that available where you can go and talk to somebody who's been through the experience before you get involved mm -hmm. and, and be able to share ideas, share thoughts about what was helpful and what wasn't and share the emotions that you went through so that you can be better prepared when it happens to you if that. If your goal is to, to be a surrogate to help somebody else. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, because in so many of these situations, I think w women in general just think, well, there's no one else out there going through this. But in reality, there are so many others out there going through this, whether it's on the infertility side or on the side of thinking about being a surrogate because you've seen, you know, the other side of it. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, that talking to, to people that have done it before, talking to your provider, talking to your best friend, talking to anyone, just to kind of start going through that motion of what this might look like, I think is so important. And on the postpartum side, there there can be a lot of help there too. I know that, um, and this is maybe a little bit outside surrogacy, we talked about surrogates having a little bit harder time with postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of postpartum depression health groups because that is a lot more common, even in regular deliveries, than people realize. And so surrogates go through it. Everybody that delivers has a, a risk for it. Mm -hmm. And so be, be aware that there is help um, for that also. And you shouldn't be struggling on your own. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we've actually been able to speak with some great providers uh, here on the Baby Your Baby podcast about postpartum and, and have some great podcasts on that. And even postpartum with dads, which is something not a lot of people think about as well. So um, I'm so glad you brought that up because it is important to 
remember to talk to people through the whole process. Yeah. Well, we so appreciate your time today and uh, just kind of walking us through your side of the surrogacy journey with Jenny and Brianna. We appreciate you being with us and, and sharing with our listeners about kind of what it looks like from you know your side of the aisle with it and answering some questions that maybe our listeners have in regards to uh, starting their own journey with surrogacy. So doctor, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. And that concludes this episode of the Baby Your Baby podcast with Dr. Spencer Barney from Intermountain Healthcare talking about surrogate motherhood. Thanks for joining me, Jade Elliott, and our guest for this week's Baby Your Baby podcast. If you have a topic that you'd like our Baby Your Baby experts to discuss, leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health.